Evolution, for some reason, though inevitable, is something that human beings fight. People don't like change, but they especially don't like it if it's not an effort to benefit them. Sad, really. We're living in a day and age where everyone is seeking and fighting for equal rights. Not anything more, not anything better, just equal ones. But to everyone who does not belong to a group within the struggle, this feels like those fights are a direct attack on them when it's not. So white folks feel attacked by people of color seeking equality. Men feel attacked by women's fight for equality. Straight men of all races feel attacked by LGBTQ folks fight for equality. We got fans of a football team, many of whom are people of color themselves, who can't understand why many Native Americans are hurt by a nickname when they themselves have been hurt by names for their entire existence in this country. But like that old saying goes, when you're accustomed to privilege, someone else's equality feels like your oppression. Everything is constantly changing and adaptation serves you better than preserving old ideas and outdated convictions that quite frankly, don't benefit anyone as we all evolve. What I believe gets most of us in trouble is our so-called beliefs, ideas that we attach ourselves to as the truth so we can't convince ourselves that it cannot or maybe should not be changed. This is very dangerous, especially without constant research. Research. The dictionary definition is the systematic investigation into and study of materials and sources in order to establish facts and reach new conclusions or to investigate systematically, re-search, to search closely, to seek for. So for me, seeking is to never stop searching. I'm here to let you know that it's okay to update your beliefs based on new information. You wouldn't want your doctor treating you based on things she learned at med school in the 70s. One thing I never want to do is just dig in to old beliefs and opinions just because. People don't like change unless it directly benefits them. I say, let's stay open, because the next time there's a fight for something to change, that something might just be something for you. I'm Kayana Ebony Brown, and this is a story of music and men.
In a day and age when the print magazine is inching closer and closer toward extinction, FACE is doing as well as ever. The monthly publication was founded in 1995, but was one of the first magazines to focus more than half of its attention on the online segment of the market before the height of the internet boom in 2000. Today, they're one of the top brands in the fluttering magazine business, with their print version still doing as well as any monthly on the market. And the fact that it's based in DC is even more impressive, given that all of its main competitors are of course in New York. Jay started there as an intern while in her junior year of college at Howard University. She was hoping to learn about how to become a chief editor someday, but instead found herself fetching tea and stevia for the manager of business development. For a whole semester, she was missing all the, quote, good stuff, as she called it, being cooped up in that stupid business office, writing emails for some lazy guy who probably couldn't care less about the serious women's issues that the magazine addressed. The kinds of things Jay was desperately hoping to add her two cents to someday, like how to assert yourself in an office full of men when you don't have a deep voice, or what to do in a job interview to get the same pay that any man would get, or how to give the perfect blowjob every time while still having teeth. You know, important stuff. So, she quit her internship at FACE when the fashion editor at Essence magazine offered her a production assistant job in New York. Now, it wasn't exactly what she saw herself doing either, considering the meager salary in a place like New York. But it was a job, and it was in her desired field. And at the same time, she was just two months from graduating. She had to think about her future, which didn't include getting tea and writing emails for other people. Now, of course, she didn't say any of that to the people at FACE when she told them that she would no longer be with them come May after she left Howard. She simply thanked them for the opportunity and the experience, to which they replied that they hated to see her go since they'd planned to offer her an opportunity as an editorial assistant once she graduated. Now, by this time, she had interned under four executives in four different departments during her four semesters there, and all of them had ample writing samples from all of the different forms of writing they'd had her doing. The writing that she often complained had no point to it other than making their jobs easier. Anyway, after she was offered the assistant opportunity at FACE, she decided to stay in D.C. And now, seven years later, after having ventured off to contribute to nearly every notable publication in the country as a freelancer, she was once again at FACE, but in a more official capacity, on staff. Now, the magazine was broken up into four major sections. One, art and culture. Two, fashion and beauty. Three, lifestyle. And four, 
sex. Now, Jay's department was art and culture. <laughs> Surprised it wasn't another department, aren't you? She told me that her choice to major in sociology and minor in philosophy in college over, say, journalism, was a direct effort to contribute to her unique style of writing and her unique voice. Jay always had a very special way of putting thought into the thought of things. And now, as a writer, she had a unique, innate ability to, as her boss referred to it, find the story within the story, which is exactly what she'd been asked to do that weekend. Blythe Roca was a performance artist from Brazil who had been popular in the art world for years, but had recently become mainstream after a prominent appearance in a Sia music video. Now, she sold out shows all over the world, mostly to people who had no concept of her true artistry, but who were simply fascinated by the idea of Blythe in real life. Incidentally, that was the name of her show, Blythe in Real Life. She was a painter, an author, a poet, a sculptor, all at the same damn time. I mean, all of this happened on stage, every show. It was an experience that could only be received by experiencing it. Now, Blythe was in D.C. for two weeks at Studio Theater, and because of Jay's aforementioned eye for the story, Face sent her to the opening performance to try and capture this experience with words. Despite the impossibility of the job, Jay was optimistic, considering her all-access pass to hang out with the artist after the show. Now, Blythe wasn't a very big woman, but she had an enormous personality. She was enigmatic, but demonstrative at the same time. She was closer to 50 than 40, but her energy did a fine job of disguising her age. Jay described her as being, quote, weird as fuck. But she loved and appreciated every minute she was with her. They sat in a hotel room, devoid of any real privacy as Blythe's people went in and out of the room at will ignoring the would-be distractions by focusing on their conversation. Jay asked her why, other than herself, were there only men in her show? And this might have been the only question she managed to ask in their two hours together. But the answer she got took on a life of its own. See, God created man. And God created woman. Jay noticed how she always separated the woe from the word woman every time she said it. Whether there was like some root word for the term woe and if there was a reason for this odd separation when saying it with woman. Yeah. But instead of asking her why she pronounced it that way, Jay just reminded herself to just Google it later. Blythe would go on. The word Adam is the Hebrew word for man, as in human or humanity. 
So God called man, that is the male, Adam. And God called woman, Adam. And Jay nodded as Blythe went on. But Adam, the male, that is, was the one who called Adam, the female, Eve. He changed her fucking name. Both male and female were called Adam by God. So if this is the case, that woman and man are Adam, then who was taken from whose rib? Was man really first? Or was woman first? Hmm. Jay couldn't answer this question, but luckily for her, it was rhetorical. Motherfucking patriarchy would have us believe that the male came first, of course. Blythe said dismissively. (laughs) But we should know fucking better by now, okay? XX chromosomes are perfect. XY is a fucking defect. The the Y (laughs) is a defect. Or uh, maybe she got it right the second time. She looked at Jay as if she was trying to follow something that was moving on her face. She examined Jay's unwavering countenance, every centimeter from her hair to the bottom of her chin. And then she said, You are a very beautiful woman. I mean, knowing this already, Jay didn't fall into gracious bashfulness with a blush, probably as I would have. <laughs> she simply said, almost matter-of-factly, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes, but do you conform to just one man? Or are you free? Jay almost smiled. She liked the use of the word free here. Now, before she could respond, because she didn't have to, for Blythe knew the answer, Blythe then asked, I mean, do you, do you guide your men? Excuse me? Jay said, confused. Like, like guide, um, train, do you train them? Uh, you know, uh, like lead. You are a leader, no? And Jay said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a leader. But she didn't say it with very much assuredness. Blythe sensed this and said, Did you get my show, Jay? I mean, did you truly get it? Like, understand the point? And Jay wanted to say that she did. (laughs) I mean, she was usually so good at interpreting all forms of art. Even if it wasn't exactly what the artist meant, she would see something that spoke to her and gave her some meaning. And she was sure that she would find this with Blythe's show because she really did like it and truly did enjoy the experience. But it was one that she would have to stew over for a bit. She planned on going home and thinking about it into the night before falling asleep. She was certain that by morning... She would have more thoughts about it and that something would resonate with her. But right now, just minutes after the experience, she had nothing. 
So instead of trying to answer Blythe's question, she said in return, What do you want us to get from your show? Blythe didn't have to think about this, but she decided to maybe pretend that she did, taking several moments to ponder her thoughts before coming out with, It's about you, the woman, taking your place as leader. You have to show them the way or they will be lost. And you will never have the life, the love, the the pleasure that you want and deserve. Now, this spoke to Jay deeply. And that's because earlier in the week, she had invited Cam over after drinks. That's the guy she met at Eastern Market while shopping and buying cheese and whatnot. They'd talked every single day and had seen each other a few times since meeting the week before. Now, when it comes to men, Jay considers herself to be the ultimate talent scout. And when she recruited Cam, she saw him as an ideal prospect. Great on paper, looked really good in practice, and had all the right measurables. Big hands, big feet, could jump really high and run, like, really fast. (laughs) But when she put him in the game, (laughs) his play left a whole lot to be desired. It only took her about 10 seconds to see that he just wasn't very good. But she wasn't going to give up. In fact, she had found herself making excuses for him. She thought that maybe the position was the problem, right? So she changed positions several times. First, it was the cowgirl. And when that failed, she went with the reverse cowgirl. Then she tried the giddy-up. And then before calling it a night, she decided to give the wheelbarrow a run. Still, same thing. Nothing. A shot in the dark, she decided to just give good old-fashioned missionary a go. Now, surprisingly, it was one of her favorite positions because it was known to get the job done. But... Nope, didn't work either. Now, Jay seldom ever made excuses for men, but because Cam was, I mean, so damn good looking, she figured it had to be something like nerves or stress, maybe. But the next night, mm mm, same thing. But she figured. She'd get clever this time. So, she started with the scoop me up. And then, the flat iron. Two of her most reliable positions. No matter how much she tried to throw hints, he just wasn't receiving them. His routes weren't smooth. He was darting all over the place. No direction, no goal. It was sickening. Now, refusing to give up so easily, she tried the upstanding citizen, another favorite. But when that didn't work either, she figured she'd just 
dumb it down with plain old doggy style, which she was sure would do the trick. Anybody could do this one, even a, I mean, a dog for crying out loud. But for the second time in as many nights, Jay was left frustrated and unsatisfied. This was unacceptable. I mean, she knew that if she was ever going to see Cam again, something had to be done about this. So, after experiencing Blythe's show and initially not really getting it, she went home after the interview, got into her bed, with Blythe's words circling around in her head. And you will never have the life, the love, the pleasure that you want and deserve. This lasted all night, but at around 5 a.m., she sat up with bright eyes illuminated only by this light bulb moment and literally said out loud in the empty room, That's it! This episode of Of Music and Men was written and produced by me, Kayana. Now, most of the music for this episode was provided by Filmstro, arranged and designed for this episode by yours truly. Now, we had some music from Vibe Tracks, TFB3, and then we also had some music by Liquid. It was a track called Lay Me Down. Now, for more information on these artists and how you can support their efforts, just visit the show notes in your podcast app or go to ofmusicandmen.com and select this episode. Now, if you would like to have your music featured on the show, check out our website for more information on how you can submit. Now, Of Music and Men, of course, is so much more than just a podcast. You know how we do. The novella series is available in online bookstores, or at least episodes one and two of the novella series is. And if you wish to have yourself a physical copy, which we can get you for episode one, you can get that on our website as well at ofmusicandmen.com, where you can also get t-shirts and other cool merch. Now, don't forget to subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is that you prefer to listen to your podcasts. And remember, rate and review. I'd love to hear what you're thinking. And last but not least, please connect with us on Patreon, where you can become part of this project and its journey and help it to grow into everything that it was meant to be. Make sure to share this some way, somehow, with at least one of your friends. And follow Of Music and Men everywhere online at Of Music and Men. And when you do, please... Don't hesitate to reach out. Artists and entrepreneurs are a very unique type. I mean, we face lots of rejection, almost too often for comfort. So whether you're a seasoned business owner or creator, aspiring to be one, or you're simply just here to hear a great story, I always want to give you something to ponder. Until next time. Now, today's words 
are from Scottie Pippen of the six-time world champion Chicago Bulls. Sometimes a player's greatest challenge is coming to grips with his role on the team. Now, of course, we all know Scotty as the Robin to Michael Jordan's Batman, but I could make an argument that none of those championships would have been won if it hadn't been for Scotty. But the thing is, he had to come to terms that he was not Batman, at least not on that team at that time. And for most of us, I think that that is probably one of our greatest struggles. We all want to be leaders. We all want to be leaders sometimes in situations where it's just not the right place for us to be leaders, even if we are naturally leaders. So take a cue from Scotty. Sometimes you have to be the Wozniak to someone's Steve Jobs, especially if it's like a company that they created or they're just better at something, uh, for instance, dealing with people better at that than you are. And again, you'll have an opportunity perhaps in a different situation to be the leader. And that might be somewhere smaller, like at home. But it takes a lot to really realize your strengths and who you are and your place in any team. So take a cue from Scotty. Sometimes the greatest challenge that a player has to deal with is actually coming to grips and, and admitting their role on the team. But whatever that role may actually end up being, just know that no one can win anything alone. It always takes a team. But perhaps one of the reasons why most teams don't win is that somebody on that team is just not comfortable with the role that they have to play. <laughs>